As entrepreneurs, we all want to make a huge difference. AESNation.com is all about accelerating your success. And the number one way to accelerate your success is to make even more powerful connections. As entrepreneurs, we are charging, we're working so hard that oftentimes we don't make the, the time, that we don't put the energy, the focus on those things that are gonna be most important in accelerating our success. I gotta tell you, I've got an expert who is a, another entrepreneur just like us who has at a very young age and now just pioneered what I would call social influence. He is in the top 50 podcasts. Uh, he does over uh, a million and a half downloads each and every month. And in addition to that, he runs some of the most really powerful connection programs. And I asked him to join us to share with his, the insights that he's learned over the years that entrepreneurs have used to make the most powerful connections. You don't wanna miss this. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. I want to thank you for joining us today. I mean, you are one of the major players, uh, not only in podcasting, because that's just a medium, but really on connections and making a difference. And so first of all, thank you for taking the time today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, you know, Jordan, uh, I met you at Mastermind Talks. We're, you know, we're kind of walking the talk. We were, we were at an event. We're out uh, connecting. And uh, you know, a lot of times, successful people don't do that. And y you were there connecting with everyone there. I mean, it was, it's, it was a very powerful. Uh, thank Jason for putting it together. Uh, it's a, it a lot of fun. It was a great time. We were having in Napa. And the, you know, the, I want to make sure that what you and I have had the experience has changed both of our lives on connections uh, and, and really doing it not, you know, kind of the classic networking at the Rotary Club type thing. But, you know, how mm -hmm. do you do this with power? But before I do it, I want to get some of the backstory because I know you're, I think you're hanging out kind of in my space, you know, Wall Street, you know, some legal stuff and you, you're making a wrong turn and then, you know, change direction. How, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. So I was working on Wall Street for a while back in 2007, 2008, and I was in one of those firms where we were doing real estate finance. So that sort of explains why I'm no longer there. But <laughs> but uh, it was one yeah, of those firms. The market where did change. What I remember of 2008, 2009, it changed just a tiny bit, particularly it, in that market. <laughs> it did. Yeah. And when I was there, it was a lot of people sleeping under their desks, a lot of people reading books on real estate finance deals and talking to partners about how the business worked or, or not talking to partners, maybe reading publications about how the business worked uh, in their spare time. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to outperform these guys. There's no way I'm going to outwork these guys. And I had this mentor named Dave and Dave was a guy from Brooklyn who had a tan. So I knew he knew something that I didn't know. Uh, and he was never in the office. I only saw him when he hired me. And all the other people who are associates at this firm had these mentors. They were going out to lunch with them, and they were going to shows with them. Dave was never there. So one day, Dave took me out for coffee, and he said, all right, ask me anything you want, because basically HR made me take you out for coffee, so let's get this out of the way. And I said, how come, at this point, thinking I don't care about this job because I'm miserable, I said, how come 
everyone says you're the guy who creates all the business and you make all the money and, and he was rumored to make more than the other partners, but you're never in the office. And he said, oh, well, I bring in all the deals. I bring in all the business. I bring in all the workflow. So it's better for me to be playing golf, to be doing jujitsu, to go out to charity events, to go on dinner cruises than it is to be in the office. And I remember being in the office with our elevator one day and Dave was there and the managing partner was in the elevator and the managing partner said, "Uh uh-oh, what are you doing here? Is something wrong? And he said, oh, there's an all-hands meeting. And they had a laugh about it. And I thought, it's so weird that Dave's in the office that they made a joke about it, right? And I, and I finally get the joke. And the joke is that Dave's time was so valuable that even though other partners in this firm were probably billing out at $800 an hour, his time was worth more than that. So if he was in the office, it was because whatever he was doing or whatever we were doing in the office that day was worth more. So I started to realize that people essentially buy you. And Dave's job in the firm was to be the guy who knew all the clients because he was the face of our company and that was worth more than $800 an hour. And uh, long story short, as you know, since the market changed, what happened was a lot of the partners that were in the office at two o'clock in the morning, every Sunday, every weekend, they were forced into early retirement and Dave walked into another firm as a partner. So he might've even ended up with a raise because he was the guy who had the book of business. He was bulletproof. And that, that taught me a really important lesson. Uh, it's a powerful one. And all of us know a Dave. Uh, you know, it'd yeah. be nice if we were the Dave. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how do you become the Dave? And if you're already Dave, how do you become even better? Because what we've found, you know, we've done a lot of research in this space, Jordan. And, and I would say most of the uh, attorneys probably you're working with, because we've studied attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, other professionals, they're technicians. You know, they're yes. just really good at doing the work. And then they make typically one-tenth of what a mm-hmm. Dave, you know, a rainmaker who is innovative, he's out there doing the relationships. And, I mean, that's so powerful. And, and you can bring so much value to a firm. We all want to make a big difference. So let me take you back to a comment you made that people buy you versus buying your project a product whether it's widgets or legal fee or legal services or whatever it is what do you mean by that what i mean is your brand your company i shouldn't say your brand your product or your service is commoditized in the eyes of other people most likely so if you work for facebook this isn't the case right people go whoa facebook whoa google but if you're like I'm the best real estate finance lawyer around. People go, yeah, okay. I mean, everybody says that. Said said every real estate finance lawyer. So why should I work with Thatcher Profit and Wood? Or why should I work with this company or this firm? Why should I work with you? It's You're in that same industry, or you were. Financial planners? Mm-hmm. I mean- There's 460,000 in the US right now. And it's almost impossible to tell them apart. And the same, I've sure. heard, I think accountants, there's like 350,000 doing private practice and attorneys, you know, we can go on and on. You know, the only one that can tell the difference between them, they think is a professional themselves. Right. And even them, they can't tell the difference. Sure. So if I'm looking to hire a CPA to do my taxes, why should I hire one over the other other than competing on price? And we all know what happens when you compete on price. You end up having to be the cheapest guy in town and you end up working 80 hours a week to pay the bills because otherwise somebody else is gonna do it cheaper. You don't wanna compete on price. Everybody who's successful knows that's a losing battle. So the only differentiator you have is yourself. 
And the only thing that people really end up buying is you, whether you're an accountant, a financial planner, especially a financial planner, because here's the thing. An accountant might be able to do my taxes. They might be simple enough. They might make a couple mistakes. One, a good one might save me a couple dollars here and there. But a, a financial planner, you basically are calling people and telling, and here's the oversimplification. You're saying, give me all of your money and I will not do anything bad with it. I will make you more money. That's a tall order. I don't know if I trust 430,000 people with that. I might trust one or two people in my life with that. Those people have to be close. And the only way to do that is to be able to get people to like and trust you. So there's very, there, I mean, I can count on one finger the number of financial planners I would trust with all of my money. Yeah, and it, it is, you know, and it, we can take any profession because if we think about it, Jordan, I mean, what, what we're saying, and, and I want all, you know, all the listeners, viewers, however you're seeing this program, is to think about your own business, you know, how commoditized it's becoming. I mean, almost every business is being commoditized with one exception, and that's what you're talking about, Jordan, is the, you know, that, you know, that relationship, that no like, and trust you, not the product. I mean, everybody assumes you're going to have a great product. Right. Yeah. Or, or the, here's the thing. I live in Silicon Valley, right? I live in San Francisco, so which isn't, I guess, technically the valley, but it's the same thing. There are so many companies out there that are having trouble. And when I go and speak at some of these incubators and events, they're like, we just don't know how to how to get people to know that we're better than this because there's an app that has, you know, X market share and we do asynchronous audio communication so much better. It's seamless. And I'm like, well, who cares? Well, you should care. The whole, the whole reason this app is, is powerful is because it does asynchronous audio communication. Okay. Well, who's selling it? Because at the end of the day, nobody really cares that your asynchronous audio whatever is better because they don't know what that is. They're not paying attention to that. The question is really, is it cool? Does it make something easier? Oh, well, we'll, we'll save you X dollars a year on this. Eh, I don't really care. I'd rather do business with the cool company or the company I trust or the one that I see around or the one that had the cool event where I met the girl I'm dating. I mean, that's the type of thing that people use to make decisions Maybe your IT department will say, oh, this other thing's a better fit because it does this in 10 nanoseconds faster than the other one, but it's unlikely. So I see a lot of these great ideas go right down the toilet because no one cares that your product or service is marginally better or even substantially better. They're doing business with the brand that they trust. Yeah, and this and, is, I mean, this is so critical. I and mean, we've got to take a step back, all of us, and just think, you know, how, how can we do this? And we'll, we'll dive deeper into it. But you know, it's that relationship. Think of your largest, um, you know, accounts, uh, businesses that you're working with, people that you have as clients. It's always going to be the strongest relationships over time, the lifetime value in today's world, particularly in such a noisy world. I mean, we, you know, you're at the north end of Silicon Valley. I'm at the south end, Jordan, and there's a lot of noise there, but there's a lot of noise everywhere. All of us are dealing with this. It may be a little more accelerated here. Uh, certainly a little more traffic lately. But other than that, you know, I mean, we, we look at it and, you know, this podcast is really for high performers. You know, I, I can see, well, you know, that's everybody else. That's not me. You know, I'm, I'm going to really work hard and, you know, build the be better mousetrap, the service. I'm going to deliver great quality experience. I'm going to have the faster app or, you know, the nanoseconds and so on. You know, how do, how do you help high performers not get caught in this trap? Yeah, it's really tough because high performers are, they, they have really good work ethics. 
they are smart and they are obviously by definition outperforming other people in addition to working harder generally. So it's really easy to see a high performer go, well, I'm not a huge fan of this networking thing because it's a weak area or it's an area where I'm only okay. Or a lot of people think I'm pretty good at that, but they're not really maximizing it because they can lean on the fact that they'll outwork and outperform other people. They don't necessarily look for more leverage because they're thinking, well, I'm kind of fine in this area and I don't really want to work on that skill set. So what we actually do at The Art of Charm, we have our live programs where people come in and we'll train this uh, by by <laughs> poking holes and showing them exactly where they're going wrong. However, on the show and things that we discuss at The Art of Charm podcast, we'll talk about things like cr creating network systems and habits that sort of create this in a way that makes it a little easier. You don't have to go, ugh, all right, I'm, I'm going to go to this event and I'm going to hand out business cards and I'm going to go to home and go eat. We make it so that your follow-up is somewhat automated. You know, you're crushing it in helping other people get what they want. It becomes a fun process. Your nonverbal communication is good, so people are sort of gravitating towards you. You look confident. You feel good about it. It gets a lot easier when you're in that state of the game instead of when you're dreading every second of it and you're in the airport going, why am I even going to this thing, you know? I, I know there's times, Jordan, where I'm in the, just getting into the carts before I get to the airport, and we're, you know, Successful entrepreneurs, we're all real busy, you know, going to one more event, uh, even though, you know, there's going to be great opportunities there. It's always with uncertainty. And, yes. and one of the things that we can do is I, I be prepared and recognize this. And I, it's just uh, amazing. Like at Mastermind Talks, I went to, it was the first time. Uh, and, you know, I went with a plan. There were a number of people I wanted to meet. I had the, you know, uh, Jason Gennar, Jason put it together, asked him to make sure I met this person, this person, this person. He can be very successful on purpose. And, you know, that meeting to me is probably going to be worth several hundred thousands of dollars. And, you know, this is, you, I couldn't do it by sending an email to everybody uh, that I wanted to talk to. I mean, I could have done that before, but it, the amount of effort to connect it's that face-to-face -face connection. It's just so valuable. And sometimes when we're charging, it's easy to use the excuse. I might go back to Dave. I mean, you know, it's, you know, stuff happens. You can put whatever word you want in there. Stuff happens when you're with people who can make things happen. And you touched on it a bit um, when you're saying getting prepared and so on. I want to go to kind of, we, we, you know, we all, in our own enlightened self-interest, we want to you know, go there and get all kinds of value. And it, it's really right. easy to show up with the wrong attitude. Why don't you talk about that? Because you, you, you spent a lot of time in the podcast sure. and the programs of helping entrepreneurs be really prepared for kind of that moment of truth. Yeah, it's very true. So many people do the following. Uh, should I go to that event? Nah, there's not that many people that can help me there. Or Hey, what's your name? Oh, I'm I'm John. Great, John, what do you do? I'm a financial planner. Oh, well, I don't need that. See you later. And then they take off and they go somewhere else. And it might not be that blatant. It might not be that rude. But that calculation is going on inside their head. Uh, the other thing, the sort of next step up from that is people go, all right, I'm going to see how I can help people, how I plug into their their projects, their network. So you, got, you get a lot of this, how can I help you? I'm really good at this. Oh, you don't need that? Oh, well, well, keep me in mind for when you do. Happy to help you. That's okay. It's better than what can I get from everyone, but it's still really limited because say you're like, I'm looking for financial people who want financial planning. Well, if I don't need that, it's like, well, I guess I, 
I can't do anything there, or if if I don't know anyone offhand that needs it, I don't really know. But if you're looking for a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this other thing, I probably have people in my network who might need it. So I spend the bulk of my time when it comes to quote unquote networking and relationship development, I spend time developing relationships between people in my network, not people trying to get something from me or me trying to get something from them. Those are sort of the lower levels of of relationship development in my opinion. It's so much better to be able to plug you in with somebody else on my network and then plug that person into somebody else in your network because now I'm just being a catalyst. It doesn't require that much time. Making introductions is really easily, uh, really easy. It's really easy to scale, right? You can introduce 100 people to each other every day if you really wanted to and it's all you did. But if, I were, if I'm going to help you with something personally or if you're going to help me with something personally, that requires a lot of time. If I'm just plugging people in, if I'm the hub you know, type of deal, I can really create a lot of connections and create a lot of value there. And then if I ever do need something or if you ever need something from me directly, that connection's already there, right? I've already delivered the value by helping somebody else get something that you need to you. It's really, really nice to be able to leverage that. I mean, you know, it's a law of reciprocity. It is yes. just so powerful that, you know, if we give first, then it's amazing what happens out of it. And Jordan, in preparation for this, I was going and I wanted, I had listened to your podcast uh, before and I thought, oh, better take a quick listen. So I listened to one with uh, Seth Godin uh, just because I love him and it was a great interview. And then I uh, noticed you did one with Ari Mizell and I was listening to Ari's. And what was interesting, I forgot who it was even, that there was somebody he's been dying to meet, you know, he brings up during the podcast. And you, you just well, he's one of my good friends. I'd be more than happy to introduce, yeah. and you know, and I wish I had cut that segment just to play Ari's reaction, or it was on video, and you could see. I mean, people, you know, just it's not that you have to do it for him. And this is something that so many busy executives make the mistake that I'm going to do it for you. It's so easy to put people together and create huge value. And you know, this this is maybe you know, how how do you see? entrepreneurs doing this because I, I want to do a little more on this Jordan because I, I see so many people want you know geez, I don't have the time for networking I don't mm -hmm. you know this law of reciprocity I can't help everyone out you know how are you seeing them do it successfully change that mindset what we do is we show people how easy it is to help other people help other people and that sort of shifts everything because it, it feels really good to help someone it feels really good to get helped by other people. But yes, time. And a lot of people who are successful go, listen, I don't have time for this. I'm doing pretty well. I got a great income. Why am I going to fly out and start networking all of a sudden? It feels awful because they feel like they're going and asking for things from people. And that's an, un that's an uncomfortable feeling for most people. Uh, and also, it seems like a really big uphill battle. A lot of people, especially if you're newer, in the entrepreneurship game or your business, you think, oh man, I wasn't born into this. I'm not married into this. I don't, I ha everybody else has a massive head start on me. And I used to think that way until a handful of years ago as well, because I didn't realize that with intent, with really intentional application of these skills, you can create a better network than somebody who was born into it. And the fact that you can then sort of not automate it fully, because that's a, a little bit weird and I don't think people should be seeking to do that all the time, but the fact that I can just make an email introduction to two people and they'll take it from there and I don't have to manage it and I don't have to put forth any work to like facilitate it other than that, 
and realize that that's how sort of top performers and top networkers actually do it, it's so easy. You could make an introduction every single day. I know people that do like three a day, and it's awesome. They get a ton of leverage out of that. And the reason that it works really well is because it takes like 15 minutes to do all three. You just go, oh, this person needs this? Great. I know this guy. And you can have that happening constantly. And if you do what I call the double blind, where you're asking them for their permission, it takes like 17 minutes instead of 15 minutes to do three introductions. That's a really short period of time. Most people are thinking, oh, it's going to take me like hours to do this for this person or, or whatever. And it doesn't have to be that way. It can be something you do on the subway. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to totally agree, too. And I, I don't do three a day, probably on average. Uh, I, I have some days that are three. But, I mean, I almost always do one a day. And, boy, just firing, I mean, somebody will bring up that they need something. And I'll go ahead and introduce them. And it can just be... You know, Joe and Sally, the two of you should talk, give them a little, you know, framing, you know, wish them well. Tell them not to include you on the, t- the email trail from there. Sure. And it, I, you know, there's been some pretty amazing things that have happened. I've been able to do it for some of the CEOs of some of the largest financial service firms. And just, you know, for them to, you know, you know oftentimes it's, you know, it could be helping their child with an introduction or an internship or, you know, helping one of their teammates, you know, do this or that. And it, it's stuff that as successful entrepreneurs, we've been in the industry in a long time, we don't oftentimes realize all the connections we have. You don't. In fact, I have an exercise I can give people that has to do with that. Uh, this sounds really tedious and it sounds really pointless, but I guarantee you it's super powerful. We don't realize the connections that we have. So what I do is I have people sit down for like 30 to 45 minutes and write down everyone they can remember. And I mean people like their childhood barber to like people they played soccer with in college, things like that. And it's not that you're going to get something from these people or that you're going to try to sell these people something. It's that you start to look at your network in a different way. And I actually, the reason that this works is I have a real life example of this coming in really, really handy. Uh, When I first moved to LA, I had a toothache and I didn't have a dentist. And so I called a bunch of dentists and I said, hey, can you get me in? I got a toothache. And they're like, oh, I'm slammed. You're not a patient. Uh, Why don't you just go to the ER? And I'm like, oh man, I'm pretty sure at the ER they're just gonna tie a string around my tooth and like slam the door and that's how they're gonna fix the toothache, right? So I well, put, ten, 10 hours later, though, too, you got to put that, you know, right after. It. Yes, exactly. <laughs> after waiting there for two and a half days, uh, you know, screaming in agony. So I put on Facebook, does anybody have a dentist in L.A. that can see me on short order? I've called a bunch. I don't want to go to the hospital for this. this is really annoying. I need some dentist that's not going to overcharge me. I don't have dental insurance. I need to pay out of pocket. Like, you know, it was really terrible. This is years ago. And uh, somebody who I didn't know, who's a friend of a friend on Facebook, wrote and said, hey, I saw your post, my aunt is a dentist here in Los Angeles, if you want, I'll call and see if she can help you, I know you're a friend of a friend, why don't we just do that? So I said, yes, please do that. Long story short, her aunt's office called and said, yeah, we can see you in in three hours if you want. She'll just stay through lunch, you know, she'll do this, you're her nephew's friend. So I show up, I don't get overcharged, I get this issue handled, and I was super grateful. So of course I said, let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. And he said, well, yeah, Um, I'm a graphic designer. I'm freelance. What graphic design stuff do you need done? I said, I I have no need for this right now, but uh, I'll keep my ear to the ground for you. Well, two days later, somebody emailed me and said, hey, I love the new website you just did. Who's your designer? I need one. And I said, well, we have this done in-house, but 
here's a guy I know, I just met him, he seems really nice, here's his portfolio. Long story short, this guy who helped me find a dentist in Los Angeles ended up with an $80,000 a year full-time job in his industry, which is design, which is very difficult to get full-time work or even freelance work. So he ends up with a, a basically his dream job because he got me he got my toothache handled. Yeah. And that's how that works. If you start thinking about your network as everybody that you know, instead of just who do I know that needs graphic design work or who do I know that's a graphic designer or who do if I posted who on Facebook is a dentist, I'd have gotten one reply from a guy in Boise, Idaho, right? But I asked for who knows a dentist that can do this. And I got a ton of replies. Yeah, I mean, in, in today's world, it, you know, with the ease of connections, you know, on social media and so on, I mean, we're, we are one kind of, you know, uh, post away from almost anybody. And, and this, this is something that, you know, if we invest the time, let me do one last thing here, and then because I want to go into some other segments. Sure. You know, uh, you, know, you, you, ha you have that concept of working backwards, uh, Jordan, and you know, relationship and business. Tell me a little bit about that so we can give some framing of how they can get started on this right away. Right. So the, the, the way that a lot of entrepreneurs, even successful ones, or I should say especially successful ones, think about this is they go, all right, well, I'm about to launch my next product or, oh, yeah, I need to redo this website thing or, oh, I need to have this thing done and then I'm going to start reaching out for this. And I get these emails a lot where somebody's like, yeah, I've been a successful real estate investor or whatever for 10 years and I'm going to start a podcast. So I'm going to reach back out to you in six months and ask for some advice. And I'm thinking, you should be asking me for advice now. You should be asking me for advice five years ago. We, how come I don't know you? You're just going to call out of the blue and ask. And, and it's fine. I totally get it. They're not trying to, what they're, they're not being value leeches. What they're doing is they're going, I don't have anything that I need right now. So dot, 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 I'll bug you later, which seems nice. But what they're really kind of doing, and we do this all as entrepreneurs, and I did the same thing, is I was like, well, I don't really have any value to offer. I don't have the gravitas that I need to be a valuable part of a network. I'm going to hold off. But eventually, I'm going to have to start doing that stuff, right? And I waited and I put it off and I waited and I waited and I waited and then I realized, wait a minute, this is stupid. I should be digging this well before I get thirsty. And a lot of really successful people will lean on their really good work ethic and their really good work product and their output and go, all right, well, I've got this. I can start the relationship stuff later. I'm busy right now or I'm performing right now or I have everything I need in my business right now. But it's not about you. And if you stop thinking about what it can do for you or that it's about you and you start helping other people, then when you do need something, all you have to do is post on Facebook and 10 zillion people are going to get back to you. Or all you have to do is show up at the event and you can ask for a speaking slot or you just show up to the event and people will help you get what you want. And I found that that leverage is enormous. You know, a, a lot of people, again, in, in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, they do things like, oh, well, we're not quite ready for that right now because our product is still in stealth mode. And when we launch, we'll reach out to all those folks. And I thought, when you launch, it's way too late to reach out to all those folks. They're, you're not going to get any replies. They don't know who you are. Right now, you should be helping those people with whatever they need or reaching out and developing those relationships so that when you launch, they're behind you, not reactive to you, right? They should be on your team helping you do this, not going, uh, yeah, I guess I'll mail out for, for this or I guess I'll help you reach these people. That's not going to happen. The relationships need to be built beforehand. Even if you're having success without it now, your success will be so much easier and so much more magnified if you have those partners and you have that leverage behind your network. 
Yeah, and I'm going to just say, you know, this is one of the best ways to have fun in business, too. Most of us yeah. successful entrepreneurs, you're grinding it out. You don't need to grind it out. You have the ability with, you know, the network you probably already have if you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast. You already have the network. And, you know, think of it, uh, the power of reciprocity, give first, and it's amazing what's going to happen. You're going to, you know, as... Jordan was saying, drill that well first. And this is something that's universal. It's not, this wasn't before, you know, without all the internet and electronics and so on, this is the top people were always successful from a relationship basis. And I, I want to go to another segment. And this is the book. And Jordan, you have a book that's been around for a little bit that kind of really shows this is not, yeah, what you and I are talking about is nothing new. No, it's not new. The book I recommend uh, among many is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is unoriginal. Yeah, I know I need to help people. Oh, I've read that book. I heard of that book. It's not in the fact that you've already heard this stuff and it's all novel. It's in the fact that what we teach at The Art of Charm and things like that, we relegate this or I should say delegate this to the level of habit because most people don't do it. And the reason they don't do it is because they haven't built the habit. And so there's no, since there's no habit, there's inertia. And I really love that book because it gives you like five to 10 core identity level shifts that you need to make, which is like those, those tenets of like never criticize, can never complain. How many people do you know that really follow that? I mean, everyone might've read that book, but most people are too busy not applying it, right? Really busy not taking action. And the thing is, if you just put those things into place and Again, the things we talk about on Art of Charm where you, you form these habits, you use these tools, you create these ways of life, that stuff starts to happen automatically. You don't have to think about it anymore. Then you're actually doing it. It's not painful. That's the key. That's the, that's the big secret is doing it. But most people won't. And that's why most people never get their businesses off the ground. And for those of us that are listening to this that are already successful, we start to realize, oh, the ceiling I have right now is self-imposed because now I'm just not doing what it takes to get to the next level. Yeah, and, and this is one of the ways to break through. As an entrepreneur, you can only do so much, but with your network, with the connections you have, it's amazing how you can multiply it. Let's go it to the is. next uh, And that's the application of the day. And you have a, a fairly simple application you're recommending that most of us don't know how to use properly. What is it, Jordan? Absolutely. Yeah. People always ask me like, what productivity tools do you have? And I'm like, here's the unsexiest answer ever. I use a calendar and I use the, the iCal or whatever I have on my, on my computer. Uh, I, there's BusyCal for people who aren't on Apple and it's really, really good. And the reason it, it, that it's so great is people are using it wrong. It, what people normally do is they write their two meetings or their two appointments on the calendar or they'll put like, oh, doctor's appointment or haircut. That's what they have on their calendar. And unfortunately, that doesn't really, that's not really sufficient. What you need and what I do is I block everything into 15 minute blocks. On, and it doesn't mean that there's 8,700 15 minute blocks every week. What it means is that from 8 a.m. or whatever before, you know, after my flex time ends, all the way till 7 p.m. or whatever my work hours happen to be, this is exactly what I know exactly what I'm doing, right? I have zero out your inbox. That's an hour long block. Here's the thing. If you look in your inbox and it's not at zero, why? Well, the answer that everybody has is, well, I don't have time. Oh, really? You don't have time? Well, let me tell you why you don't have time. Because you didn't plan the time. 
if I plan the time, I don't have other people reaching in and grabbing it. Oh, I just have a quick phone call. No, sorry, this is my email block. You can call me in an hour or you can make an appointment for tomorrow. If it's an emergency, of course you do it. But let me tell you how often emergencies happen now that my day is blocked off into 15 minute increments. Let's see, never. I can't remember the last one. And the reason is because there's really almost no such thing as an emergency that can't wait till after work hours. That's not, you know, personal thing. Uh, there's almost no emergencies when you don't have time to deal with them and when you have systems in place. Uh, the other thing is I, I've got like, oh, handle these tasks of this certain type. Handle this. Oh, do this podcast. Make this phone call. Those things are there, so therefore they get done because there's nothing else that would be happening during that same time, right? How is it that you're managed to make all those phone calls in a day? Well, I know how much a phone call is going to take in terms of time. It's on the calendar. If it happens a little bit later, it might get switched with something else, but it's on the calendar. Therefore, I know exactly how many tasks that day I can accomplish. I know which ones I'm going to accomplish. So I spend zero time going, huh, do I call John or do I call Mark or should I call Tim? Oh, I'll try all of them. Oh, uh, they're not around. So I leave them a voicemail. Then they all called back at the same time. Oh, this is annoying. I guess I'll try them again tomorrow. I don't have that problem. The appointment is there. It's been made. It's on the calendar. That's what's happening during that block of time. If I finish early, I can either relax, take a deep breath, or I can dive into email because we always have a ton of that. But otherwise, I don't really need to worry about it. I know that everything critical, mission critical, is going to get done. I know that everything that's not has a, approximately a zero chance of intruding on the time that I need to do something else. And people don't do that. And mostly it's because of laziness. They go, ah, oh, well, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to put this in there. I've got my important stuff in there and everything else I can remember. I guarantee you that people who do that, because I used to be one of those guys, those people are far less productive than people who do the things this way. And that's how I get 10 times more done than almost anybody else that I know, even really productive entrepreneurs. They're, they're going, how do you manage to keep up with all this? I don't have more time. I don't necessarily outwork those people. I'm just much more efficient. Yeah, and I, Jordan, I totally agree. And as a matter of fact, for some of the entrepreneurs, and let me go one of the things that held me back on this, because there's great technology now to do this, make it unbelievably simple. Uh, you can listen to a podcast I did with Ari Mizell. Uh, and, and we share both how he's doing it and I'm doing it. I have no emails, you know, typically in my inbox. I'm, I'm very organized. I'm not down to the 15 minute, I'm 30 minutes, but you know, same type concept. What I find a lot of the entrepreneurs get caught up with this concept of large clients. And I, I have some large clients that are over a million dollars of revenue that we're billing and you know, that I have to be on call. You know what? You don't they really respect you even more when you guard your time and you're, you're gonna be productive, you gotta deliver the results, they gotta know how to contact you if there's an emergency. But, you know, Jordan, I think, I'm trying to think of the last emergency I had. Uh, I don't think I have had one, you know, I mean, yeah. you, know, you and I aren't doing brain surgery or anything like that. Right, if you're a doctor, I get it, right? Okay, but, yeah. But you know what you could even do in that situation where you have to be on call? Because I know that you're not the only one who's like, I've got to be on call. There's somebody else going, no, 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 that will never work for me because this. Sure, add a t tack a half hour on, I suggest tacking it onto your lunchtime and saying emergency phone call return slash problem handling. You'll put that and here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a 90-minute lunch instead of a 60-minute lunch because that half hour is never going to get used. But if it does... If for some reason there's something in the morning that just can't wait, well, you're going to return the call in what, two and a half hours, three hours? That's okay. That's For anybody who's not helping people bleeding to death, it's probably more than enough time. And 
if you find yourself not using that time, that because I originally did that. I was like, this is when I'm going to return urgent phone calls and voicemails. Now it's just, I, now I just have long lunches. Uh, no, it is amazing how it changes. Let me go to the next segment with resources. And Jordan, how do people find you and, and you know, what can they do with you? Because, I mean, you've, sure. got, you've got a number of services that are extremely valuable out there. Sure. So what we do is we have our live programs in Los Angeles. People come from all over the world and they stay at our training school for a week. Uh, whether it's they want to learn how to develop relationships better, they're working on their their marriage or their dating life, or they want to learn how to network better, they come to our school at the Art of Charm. We're booked up about six months in advance and we run these small group programs every week. The other thing though is honestly, the podcast, I do it all the time. It's been going for eight years. If you're listening to this podcast right now, just look for the Art of Charm podcast in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're watching this, YouTube. You can find episodes with me. I've got 450 hours or something like that of shows. So there's tons of information there. Uh, and once you're ready for the coaching aspect, yeah, then you can come to the Art of Charm. But in the meantime, don't buy anything. Just check out the free stuff that we have because we have a ton. No, there really is a ton. You've been, it's a huge resource. I can't imagine anyone not going through and being selective and then getting on now, you know, on an ongoing basis, subscribing to it, and then taking you up on your coaching when it's appropriate. Let me do the last segment and just kind of play back what I heard. Because um, this is, to me, this is one of the, the most fun parts of business because it gets results. I mean, number one, you know, Jordan talked about people buy you. And in and today's commoditized world, this is just so important that you've got to make yourself interesting. You, you've got to differentiate yourself. And I want to go further. It's not just differentiating. You've got to make yourself distinctive. How are you going to do that to stand out in the marketplace? That's number one. Number two is Jordan talked about the relationship and the business getting backwards sometimes. Well, you know, we're, we're charging so hard as entrepreneurs that we will get to the relationship side. I'm going to encourage everyone, as Jordan has, is to go do it. This is, to me, has changed my life over and over and over and over again. I have so many stories I could say, and many of them have been many millions of dollars. So, you know, definitely do this. And it came from some of the most unlikely sources that uh, I've sold some businesses that have been in the uh, $25, $30 million range that someone totally out of the industry that I would have never uh, expected put us together and in one call made the deal. The uh, third part is, you know, as high performers, don't think that you, you know, could continue to just outperform on the networking side as well because, you know, you, you, that's not how it's done. It's, you know, put it, have, build a life, you know, a high quality of life, decide what that quality is. We want to be successful on purpose, but then focus on the relationships. And it, this is an ongoing process. And lastly, you know, remember the law of reciprocity is, you know, give first. I mean, you've got to, you can't give to everyone, but we're talking about such little connections. It's not you, you know, make, doing all the work, oftentimes just bringing people together. Jordan, um, you know, I want to commend you for, you know, the huge success you've had in helping so many other entrepreneurs. Thank you again. And uh, thank you. Yeah, I wish everyone out there, you know, your clients, your future clients, Everyone's counting on you. Go execute this stuff. Don't let them down. Wish you the best of success. Thank you very much. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.